الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد So we're continuing um, Last night we spoke about علم النافع and beneficial knowledge and in particular we talked about how uh, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the knowledge of a deen in general is something that illuminates the heart and it allows us to see things very clearly for the purposes of this life and our salvation in the akhirah. Uh, the, next few, um, the next few wisdoms that we'll cover are going to pertain to the topic of repentance and tawbah. This is the next section of the book. Um, so Ibn Ata'illah, he says as follows. لا صغيرة إذا قابلك عدله ولا كبيرة إذا واجهك فضله He says, um, so look, uh, this is in the, well, I'll just translate first. There is no minor sin when his, meaning Allah, when Allah's justice confronts you. There is no minor sin when Allah's justice confronts you. And there is no major sin when his grace confronts you. There's no major sin when, he, when his grace confronts you. Look, the context of this is uh, when we think about transgressing against Allah, we've divided things into what we consider minor or what we consider major or what we consider insignificant and what we consider significant. Um, and there are reasons behind why the fuqaha have done this because there are certain, uh, because, because there are ramifications for each of these accordingly. But someone who is passionate about pleasing Allah and makes Allah their goal, they don't really see the difference between minor and major. That sort of dichotomy doesn't really need to exist. And the commentary will explain why. Uh, but let me just repeat. He says, There is no small sin. There's nothing small. Qabala means to, yuqabilu um, uh, means to, when, when something confronts you. Know, confronts you. There is no small sin when the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confronts you. Meaning, if we were to factor in the quality of the attribute of Allah, which is justice, um, transgressing against Allah is just, it's not befitting. And there's no major sin. There's no such thing as a major sin. It's subhanAllah, it's just so deep. إِذَا wajahaka, You know, wajah takes the meaning of a face. And wajaha means, uh, wajahaka is, 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 is um, when you meet face to face with the grace of Allah. You can remove this notion of a major sin in that situation. Um, so he says, the commentary, um, uh, Sheikh Abdullah says, Should Allah's attribute of justice or adal be manifested on earth, Dealing with us according to the strict criteria of such equity, the smallest of sins, a sagira, would be treated as an enormity, a kabira. Are you following? If, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just, and if, you, you know, it's interesting because in this day and age, there's such a premium placed on striving for or fighting for equity, right? At least uh, at a human level, right? Everyone talks about how every, every individual should have equal opportunity because equity is something that's, it's, it's something that's valued in society, and that's a good thing. But if we were to apply those same principles of equity between us and our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'd be in trouble. We'd be in trouble. 
Now, the reason is not because any transgression against Allah Ta'ala causes him any harm whatsoever. If I was to push someone in this room, that's going to bring harm to you. That's a transgression. It's, it's a sin for me. It's harm toward you. And when I transgress against Allah, it's a sin for me, but it's no harm against Allah. So the reason isn't because this is somehow going to lower Billah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rank and status. The reason is because look at the relationship. Look at the relationship. He says, in truth, a minute action of disobedience to such a majestic and great Lord and benefactor whose grandeur is infinite and bounties are incalculable justifies the application of complete punishment upon the disobedient one. Look, you know, many of us are parents, and if a child says uh, to me, or so if your child says to you, you know, you get into a little bit of a scuffle or discussion, and the child says, shut up, shut up, shut up. Look, what is the reaction of the parent? This is, you know, uh, this is egregious. How could my child tell me to shut up? But, I mean, in reality, if you think about it, it's just a couple of words. I mean, it's not that big of a transgression in and of itself. I mean, people say it to each other on the street all the time, and you forget about it the next day. But when a child says it to a parent, it now becomes a big deal. Why? Because in the parent's mind, they're thinking, look at what I did for this child. Look at what I did for my son, or look at what I did for my daughter. I stayed up for countless nights. You know, when they, were, when they were sick as a child. You know, for a mother, they're thinking that literally for the first two years, they didn't, uh, I didn't sleep properly. I go to work, every, for a father, I, I mean, or for a mother, I go to work every single morning. I work hard to earn a living wife so I can pay tuition for my child, so I can bring home food on the table, so that I can make them comfortable. And now this minor transgression of shut up is really affecting me because it's contextual. After all that I did for you, you can talk back to me in this way? it becomes a big issue. So now you're grounded for a week or you're grounded for a month or you know, all these other punishments because that's when it manifests. In the case of Allah, I mean, if you think about the relationship between who Allah is and who we are, it's incredible, right? I mean, every, our, us coming into existence is because of Allah. You and I would not be here right now if Allah did not choose to give us life and bring us into this world. Right? You and I would not be human beings if Allah Ta'ala chose to make us a rock or a pebble or, or a part of a tree. He could have just destined that for us. You know, if it weren't for Allah, we wouldn't be breathing. All of us right now at this moment are breathing, you know what, 10 or 15 times uh, or whatever, 5 to 10 times in this minute. And not a single one of those breaths, you know, on an individual basis. Or think about all the breaths that are happening right now. None of these are happening except because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is allowing it to happen. I mean, every comfort, every sense of health, every piece of wealth, everything is because of the magnificence of Allah. So because of who Allah is and what He's done for every single one of us, and the attention that He's given us, and the love and grace by which He's taken care of us for so many years, now you put that minor sin in context and it becomes a big problem. It becomes a big problem. Because we're not transgressing against some child some other human being, we're transgressing against that being that cares about us, that has a concern for us, that guided us, and has done everything in our favor and in our benefit. So, you know, it, it, so, 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 so transgressing against Allah is a big deal, whether that sin is categorized as minor or as major. Because ultimately, this is Allah that we're talking about. This is Allah that we're talking about. Look, you know, this whole... Um, 
this whole uh, wisdom, the aphorism, it's very um, counterintuitive, right? Because he's saying there's no minor sin when his justice confronts you, and there's no major sin when his grace confronts you. He's basically saying oh, we should be mindful of minor sin and not be so concerned about major sin. It's counterintuitive. Because, and the reason he's saying this is because as a community, we've given so much attention to the opposite, which is leave the minor things alone. As long as you're avoiding those things that are major, you're okay. And that's fine. But for the seeker of Allah, right, it's the opposite. We're already giving a lot of attention to major sin. Don't forget, don't forget that minor sin also deserves that kind of attention. And similarly, then he continues, if on the other hand, his grace, the grace of Allah Ta'ala is manifested, then our greatest sins wane into oblivion. Wane into oblivion. Be after becoming insignificant due to his magnanimous forgiveness. So he's saying that, you know, it, it, it's incredible. Have some water. With the adil and justice of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a right has a right to punish us for any wrong that we do. Any wrong that we do toward him. Because his expectation is that we are going to sacrifice in this world for him. He has the right. He's al-adid. He has the right to be just. And just like we demand justice in this world, if someone were to abuse us, then we're going to file a lawsuit against them. If someone were to rear end us, then we're going to make sure we call the cops, etc. Just like we strive for justice and equity in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-adil. And if he so chooses, he has a complete right to, to reprimand us for those things that are minor, even if you and I deem them to be minor. Because in the eyes of Allah, who's so graceful, uh, uh, who's... who's um, Who's, who's the one who's provided and sustains for us, then ultimately our sole purpose is to worship him. There is no distinction between these two. But on the other hand, when the grace of Allah is manifested, and this comes in many hadith, look, when we commit a major sin, and may Allah protect us from doing so, but when we commit a major sin, many a times we think that there's no way out of this. I've now transgressed against Allah, this is egregious, and there's no way that I can remove myself from this situation as well. It, it, sometimes it weighs us down, sometimes it pulls us down, sometimes it doesn't allow us to take a step forward. But if we think that our major sin is bringing harm to Allah in any way, we're wrong. And if we think that our major sin is incapable of being forgiven, then that's a problem with our understanding of how vast Allah's forgiveness is and who Allah is. Because there's many hadith that mention that on the day of judgment, these are sahih hadith, on the day of judgment, for example, when Allah's grace is manifested, just to give you an example of it, an individual who has, uh, an individual will be presented on the day of judgment and they will have transgressed against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. And it'll be displayed to them, their lifetime worth of sin. And when that person is sit, standing there before Allah and seeing their entire life worth of sin being played out before them, they'll begin to think in their mind that I have no way out of this. Why? Because Allah is just. You know, there's no way I have, I'm literally seeing my transgressions that I performed life, uh, uh, moment after moment after moment after moment of my life. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks that person, did you do such and such? Did you do such and such? And that person will say, yes, ya Allah, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And that person will acknowledge every single one of their transgressions. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace manifests and says, be witness that I've forgiven you for all of that and that individual will be taken and placed into Jannah. 
It's Allah's grace. It's possible. I'm not saying that's going to happen to all of us. But when you take Allah's grace and compare it to our sin, there's no comparison. This is why the ulama are very clear in saying, they're very clear in saying that the ability for us to transgress against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no matter if it's major or minor, that requires effort. And it will never compare to the ability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive all of us collectively. Because that requires no effort on the part of Allah. So when we're confronted with the grace of Allah, it's a different ballgame. It's far harder for us to have to sin, no matter if it's minor or no matter if it's an egregious major transgression, than it is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us in a moment. There's another hadith that comes uh, talking, again, these are another hadith that mentions there'll be a, a believer in the hereafter who will stand before Allah and they'll have their, their, their mizan, their, their scale placed before them. And on the one hand, their, their sins will be placed. And literally, the scale will be completely tipped against them. And so they'll be looking at this and saying, like, there's no way out of this. Right? There's no way out of I mean, I think many of us feel like we're in that situation where it's like, we've tried, we've tried, we keep failing before Allah. So this person's there. And then the hadith mentions that this, sort, this sheet of paper, like a little sticky, a little sticky note type thing, right? And uh, it will come and it will be placed on the other side, right? The side of good. And that scale through that, that thin paper or leaflet or whatever uh, will completely tip the scales in another direction. And it'll be said that on that leaflet will be written, La ilaha illallah. Uh, La ilaha illallah. The, 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 um, the testament of faith toward Allah. Meaning, and this, this is simply representing the faith that lies in the heart of every single believer. The value of iman in the eyes of Allah is so dominant over everything else that it outweighs a lifetime worth of sin, according to this hadith. Meaning, in this situation too, through hadith we learn from the Prophet again, the grace of Allah is manifested and our sins do not stand anywhere in comparison to the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he chooses to use it. So, let's go back to this, this statement. There is no minor sin when Allah ta'ala's justice confronts you. And there is no major sin when his grace confronts you. Um, so it's important for us to, to, to sift through this. No, practically speaking, I'll, uh, before I conclude with this one, that means for us, we should start, trans, for those of us that are seeking Allah, we transition away from asking the question of, is it halal or haram? Or is it major or is it minor? And we transition toward the question of, in this situation, what is most pleasing to Allah? Right? Because there's, yeah, the fuqaha have created these distinctions because it may create a, pur- a purpose for the greater society. But for the seekers of Allah, all of us that have, you know, spent, are spending the weekend here, we move away from thinking, is this a big problem toward Allah or a small problem toward Allah? Because any problem toward Allah, for this, any sin toward Allah for the seeker is considered a major sin. Not because the sin itself is major, but because of the being that that sin is being performed against. That's what makes it major. That loving Allah, even one small transgression against Allah is a major issue for me. So I transition away from categorizing and I transition toward in my situation at this moment, what is pleasing to Allah? 
And I strive toward achieving that rather than focusing on the halal and the haram and the major and the minor because all of those things become less relevant. The seeker of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses in this moment what is most pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, he says, إِذَا وَقَعَ مِنْكَ ذَنْبٌ We're still on the chapter of forgiveness. إِذَا وَقَعَ مِنْكَ ذَنْبٌ When you commit a sin. When you commit a sin. فَلَا يَكُنْ سَبَبًا لِيَأْسِكَ مِنْ حُصُولِ الْإِسْتِقَامَةِ مَعَ رَبِّكِ فَقَدْ يَكُونُ ذَلِكَ آخِرَ ذَنْبٍ قُدِّرَ عَلَيْكِ It's very, very deep. When you commit a sin, us, when you commit a sin, let it not be a reason for your despairing of attaining to righteousness before your Lord. For, but rather, that might be the last one that's decreed for you. When you commit a sin, don't let it be a reason for thinking and despairing that I can never achieve righteousness before my Lord because we don't know that might be the last sin that was actually decreed for me ever. Right? Um, it's a very, just a very positive way of looking at things. Uh, and, and we have to p- be positive when we're looking at, uh, toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you know, a pessimistic approach is just not going to work because we're dealing with Allah Ta'ala who's merciful, who's gracious. Um, and, and the reality is we are going to make mistakes from time to time, right? It's going to happen. So when you commit a sin, let it not be a reason for your despairing of attaining to righteousness before your Lord because, uh, <laughs> because that may be, perhaps, we don't know, that may be the last sin that was ever decreed for me. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Um, sometimes we think, uh, when we pr- the, the attitude he's sort of highlighting is that when we are often told when it's time to pray, you know, the imam will stand up and say, pray as if this is your last prayer. Right? Like, make this one the one that counts the most. Make this the one that counts the most because you don't know you may die after the salah. It's possible. And that's, of course, it's happened numerous times. So we give that, that deed its full attention. You go for hajj, you're like, make this hajj count because you may never come back again. You go for Umrah, make this Umrah, your, your, your tawaf, so valuable because you may never look at the Kaaba again. We don't know. But we don't think about that from the perspective of sin sometimes. When we commit a major a sin, you know, our attitude, should be, our attitude can be, and this varies state by state, can be, well, you know, once it's done, perhaps this is the last one that I'm ever going to do. Perhaps this is the last one that I'm ever going to do. I'm thinking positively about it. So the commentator, uh, he says, when one commits some sin, as the result of human nature, right? The ulama are highlighting here, as evidence from the hadith of the Prophet when one commits a sin as a result of human nature, meaning sin occurs from time to time. It's part of who we are. The Prophet told us this is going to happen. When one commits some sin as the result of human nature, one should never allow the sin to bring about the slightest change in one's determination to remain steadfast upon deen. Not even the slightest change. Meaning, when I commit a sin, it, I should not be thinking in my mind that I'm never going to be able to achieve greatness when it comes to my religion or my faith. That, should, that thought should not cross my mind. The sin occurred, it occurred. But that should not alter or bring about the slightest change in my determination to remain steadfast in deen. And, and this is so commonplace. And he says, do not permit it to slacken one, one's bond with Allah Ta'ala Most High. Do not de- be deceived by the thought. And this is a thought that many of us have when we, when we make a mistake. Do not be deceived by the thought, quote, 
I am unable to remain steadfast or strive on the religion, uh, hence my sinning. Therefore, I might as well give up. Therefore, I might as well give up. I mean, has this thought ever come to our mind, right? You make a mistake, commit a sin, maybe it happens a few times, and then you're like, you know what? Forget this. This is, I'm, I'm clearly never going to be from the ranks of the people of piety of the past or even the ranks of the people of piety of today. I'm never going to reach that state. I might as well just give up altogether. And sin is one of the major, re- one of the reasons why people leave deen altogether because they try, they try, they fail, they fail, they try and fail and they try and they fail and eventually they're like, this is just too difficult for me and they give up. Um, and, and they just want to give up. He says, never think that istiqamah or steadfastness, istiqamah, is impossible in the aftermath of committing a sin. Never think that istiqamah is impossible in the aftermath of committing a sin. I mean, this is, there's a lot of human psychology at play here. You make a mistake, yes, there is remorse for that sin, right? And that's from, we know that. There has to be a sense of nadama after a person commits a sin. Feeling sad that I transgressed, who? Against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's a part of tawbah. The first step is nadama. But once I've now expressed remorse for the sin that I already committed, looking forward, I have to feel confident that I can achieve great things moving forward. It's very possible. And it's, and it's likely that I can make steps toward Allah and this thought should never cross my mind that I'm never going to be able to succeed in deen. Never, never, and, and you know, this is common. This is not just deen. I mean, anyone who takes a major exam in life and they fail, the, the, what happens? All those negative thoughts begin to come to mind. I have some major MCAT or I have, a, I have a, 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 some other entrance exam that I have to take and I do poorly on it and I begin to think I'm never going to make it in life. I'm never going to succeed. But you look at everyone's story. Every single person's story. They'll say, yeah, I had a setback and I, I was able to bounce back. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. You know, I was just doing um, uh, interviews for, for residency, just for medical residency, just in reviewing all these applications. And every single person that is striving towards success has major setbacks. But in that moment of setback, everyone's thinking, there's no way I'm going to make it past this. Look at our own life. There's no way. I mean, I failed. I get one setback. I'm never going to be able to succeed. So this applies universally. But in the context of this as well, it also applies. That a setback of sin is not a reason for me to think I'm not going to succeed. I'm going to make it through. In fact, um, you know, life coaches will tell you setbacks are designed to help you advance forward. So, So he's saying, um, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be thinking, therefore, I might as well give up. In fact, uh, the attitude should be for the believer that, you know what, this might be the last sin I ever commit. Because he says, and this was beautiful, because he says, We know everything is destined by Allah. I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what Allah has written for me. Now, I, I recognize, and not to have a discussion in aqidah, I recognize that from an aqidah perspective, I still have to uh, make an effort to avoid sin. But ultimately, everything's in Allah's control. I don't actually know what Allah's written for me. I don't know. Perhaps this is the last sin that's written in my thing. So, uh, this might be the last one decreed for me. So, I, my attitude should be, you know, similar to how I'm going to perform my last prayer whenever I'm trying to pray, that after the sin, I should be thinking, you know what, maybe this is it. This could be the last one I ever commit. And it's very possible it's very possible, and I don't mean to be morbid about this, it's very possible that after I commit a sin and I do, I express, do my tawbah for it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take me away from this world. And if Allah ta'ala destined for me death after this, and I've left 
just moments before or just hours before com- performing a complete tawbah for this sin and every other sin, well then now I'm, I'm, I, I, I've, I, I've succeeded. And now I'll be in Jannah forever. Right? Inshallah. So I don't know what's written for me in the sense that I don't know if more sins are written for me. Um, it might be the last one. Oh, and it might be the last one because I don't know if I'm going to be living beyond today. This may be the last one. So, so he says, rather, the commentator says, rather, one must hope, as the aphorism suggests, that maybe Allah will not destine another sin for one. Maybe this is it. That's the approach that we take. That's the positive attitude that we look forward. We do tawbah for what happened in the past. And we do istighfar for the mistakes that we've already committed. But, in the, but looking toward the future, we have confidence that we have the ability to achieve istiqamah in deen. I'm never going to lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the commentator mentions a side point, and I'm going to mention it because it's relevant. With this hope, one must be careful to not become audacious in sin. Right? So this is not a free pass to say, well, great, this might be the last one. So if it keeps happening, I'm just going to enjoy it, and then I'll just keep thinking in this way. Right? So he says, one must be careful not to become audacious in sin. Indeed, a sin committed spontaneously due to temporary human weakness is not in conflict with istiqamah of deen or of religion. However, persistence in sins without constant recourse to repentance, whereby one engages in a prolonged and deliberate commission of sins, is a complete negation of istiqamah. So if I find myself, you know, if I make a mistake, it happens, I commit a sin, and utoba, I move on, great. But if I find myself perpetuating a particular sin, that means I need to seek help. I need to seek help. I need to actually make some life changes. And I can't be fooled by thinking, oh yeah, this is it. It's never going to happen again. I mean, I'm drowning in a particular sin. And it's repeated. And I'm not even doing tawbah for it. I need to take some practical steps to, to sort of um, ensure that I'm, I'm moving toward the path of istiqamah and steadfastness. So uh, with that, inshallah, we'll just, um, I'll just summarize the points that... Uh, because we're dealing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, we shouldn't be thinking minor and major sin. For the seeker of Allah, for that person who's seeking Allah ta'ala, every single anything that is against what is pleasing to Allah is major. And that should be our attitude and our approach. And, 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 and I mean, look at the Prophet Did the Prophet ever, uh, I know he's a prophet, I get that, but did he ever encourage the performance of a minor sin? Did he ever himself perform a minor sin? Because a sunnah tells us, stop thinking major minor, focus on what's pleasing to Allah in that moment, because that, that's, that's what the prophetic example showed us. Right? And, 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 and so, so for the seeker of Allah, who's trying to follow in the footsteps of the Prophet we don't look, we don't need to know what's minor and major. We want to avoid all sins, whether they are minor or major, because ultimately... Allah Ta'ala's grace can manifest upon us whether if it's major and His justice can manifest upon us if it's minor. And the second is that when we do commit a sin, if it is to happen, the believer's attitude is to do tawbah for it immediately. Meaning, have nadama, have sadness toward it. And actually tell Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that we're sorry for the mistake that we made. And then, and, and so there's this sadness about what happened in the past. But immediately that attention is turned toward the future in hopes that, you know what, Ya Allah, this may be the last one you ever ordained for me. I have hope that I can remain steadfast and have istiqamah in deen. And we ask for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help moving forward. We think positively recognizing that any setback is, my, is, is an opportunity for me to turn back toward Allah. In fact, and I'll, I'll conclude with this statement. 
that you know many ulama talk about um, how sin is often that one thing that leads a person toward wilaya. Sin is that one thing that leads a person toward wilaya. Wilaya means a, a, a state of proximity toward Allah. Now, you and I would think, well, deeds are what are going to lead us toward Allah. That's true. Deeds can lead us toward Allah and wilaya. But if a person commits a sin and they approach that sin with the right attitude, meaning they do tawbah from it and they think positively for the future, that sin now carries more weight in their, in their deeds and, and, uh, and more weight in their, in their story of success than any action or deed would have been able to perform. It's the reaction and response to sin that allows us to elevate incredibly and in many cases more than even an act of worship would be able to allow us to progress toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That makes sense. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq to, to, to see every sin as, uh, as sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from committing sins, uh, be it volitionally or unintentionally. And if a sin were to occur, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to do tawbah from it and allow us to look positively toward the future and allow us to think positively about uh, the potential for our success in our relationship with Him.